It takes more than turning it off and on again while shouting DevOps to be a great <laughs> software engineer. This is episode 221 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. We tried turning it off and on again several times before the show, and it didn't work, <laughs> so we are not practicing DevOps. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer all of your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development. Sometimes you have to turn it off and on again three times, <laughs> and then it's you can call it like stochastic DevOps. That's or right. Yeah. Probabilistic DevOps. That's Wait, right. <laughs> that's artificial intelligence. As soon as you use statistics, now it's AI. That's right. If there's a chance you're right, it's AI. <laughs> if sometimes it's wrong and you can never tell why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's artificial intelligence. <laughs> if you have an inconsistent crash in your software, that's because it has artificial intelligence. <laughs> I am an expert AI developer. Oh, yeah, me too. You want to thank our patrons, Dave? You bet. Thanks to those folks that are contributing at a level to get some a shout out every week on Patreon. They are Vinlock, Ragnar Hardison, Oleksandr, Microconfig.io, Nick, Travis, Evgeny Sladkowski, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Keynes, Philip John Basile, Stephen Armand Lee, John Grant, Luke Bayless, Ryan The Real McCoy, Stanley Tactical Radio, The Agile Ventures Charity, Nick Cantar, and Sean. If you'd like to support the show on Patreon and get access to our amazing Slack community, go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. Any dollar amount greater than zero will get you access to our community the first week of each month right after Patreon bills you. Every person that supports us on Patreon, I just like shout really loud, thank you, wherever I am. <laughs> so you can just know that that's happening and feel good too. That's another benefit that I haven't been open about until right now. <laughs> if your ears are sensitive enough, you might just hear it. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much to everybody who's doing that. You really do help keep the show going. Thank you as well to Vettery. Vettery is a marketplace for finding a new software job. They are sponsoring the show and we are really grateful to them. They help make it possible too. You can hear more about them by going to vettery.com slash soft skills or by waiting about 15 minutes and listening to the podcast where we will talk more about them. <laughs> That's right. Do you want to read our first question? Yes, I do want to read our first question. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, I am in the process of quitting my job. I've been a developer here for a few years and made amazing friends. I love the people here, but I am looking for a new challenge and a pay increase. I was discussing my references for the new job with my partner, and she said I should ask my current manager. I stopped hard in my tracks and said absolutely not. She works in healthcare and said she couldn't get a job unless her old manager gave a good reference. I dismissed this as not applying to software engineering, but the thought has stayed with me. Would you use your current manager as a reference. Am I wrong not to do this? At what point do you tell your current manager that you're looking to leave? My manager does not know anything yet, and I thought it would be, quote, mean to tell him I'm leaving and also ask for a reference. I do believe he would give a good reference, though. What are your thoughts? So my manager's last day of work is exactly a week from today. Okay. I would ask him for a reference right now. <laughs> <laughs> Strategy one, get your manager to quit and has no ties to the company, and then they can give a reference. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I can think of two scenarios that could play out if someone asked me for a reference, if one of one of my reports asked me for a reference. One would be, I really didn't want them to quit. And so I'd say, no, I'm not going to give you a reference. That'll make it easier for you to leave. Mm -hmm. I can't give you a glowing referral or you will, you will abandon me. And the other scenario would be, if I really wanted them to quit, 
because they were bad at their job. And <laughs> I would say, I can't give you a glowing reference because I cannot tell a lie. <laughs> Much like George Washington. <laughs> I'll chop down the cherry tree of our Jenkins infrastructure now. Well, it's good to know if I ever work for you as my boss and I ask for a reference and you say no, I won't know <laughs> why. <laughs> I mean, yeah, my first instinct would definitely be to keep them around. I guess if they told me it's not you, it's me, you're really great, I just can't work here anymore and like flattered me enough so that my ego was assuaged, then I would give them a reference. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I would prefer them not to leave if I liked them. And we don't have, I had a boss once who talked a lot about people who leave jobs being alumni, like they've, they've gone on to other things, but you don't, it's not like you graduate from school and are like, screw that school. I hate them forever. And, <laughs> and they're like all mad at you that you betrayed them by graduating. It's like a network of people that you spent some time with and you'll keep in touch with some of them. And that's cool. And they were pretty explicit about that as an attempt to make it. So they still had incentives to keep people around, but also to try and get rid of some of the taboo around talking about not wanting to work there <laughs> ever again, or even acknowledging <laughs> that at some point someone would quit the job. I don't know. Maybe that's a culture you could normalize. That sounds like spin. They didn't quit. They just graduated. I did not fire them. <laughs> I gave them a diploma. <laughs> <laughs> I love these education metaphors. Was this when you worked for that tech ed company? No, actually it wasn't. Oh. That seems like it would have been a better fit for it. Yeah, that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, I should have brought that with me. You have graduated with high honors in failing to write good software. <laughs> you know you know how when people quit a job, they sometimes will, the team will take them out to lunch and have a little celebratory yeah. thing to say, you know, we should do like a graduation ceremony. Oh, yeah. Play, what's that song they play at every graduation? Pomp and Circumstance. Yeah, Pomp and Circumstance. <laughs> Make it like eight hours long. Make sure that 99.9% .9 of the people there don't care about it, but have to be there for like five seconds. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. And then they do a little bio on the person where they reveal that they're going to be making $40,000 more at the new job. <laughs> Congratulations to Stephanie from graduating, getting a gigantic raise, which she... <laughs> Would not have gotten if she had stayed at this company. <laughs> Honest graduation. I love it. Yeah, I would feel weird about this, but this question is making me examine that assumption. And I mean, if, if I had a decent relationship with my boss and I was pretty sure that they couldn't keep me, then I don't think it would be weird. Especially the, the I, th I think there's some expectation that the more role you have in management or, or the more kind of sizable your role is the better it is to give more notice like there's more stuff depending on you and you need maybe a longer handoff period or something so that might be a decent situation to do that in yeah i suppose <laughs> but i think i'm i'm guilty of the thing i do a lot which is like yeah everybody's pretty reasonable right like bad stuff just doesn't happen right surely nothing bad would happen to a person because bad stuff doesn't happen to me right <laughs> I'm thinking about this nursing industry, and if a precondition for getting a new job is that your current job gives a reference, I'll bet you people never change jobs unless they're moving to a new city or something. What do you mean? Well, if you ha let's say you hate your boss and you want to quit, mm. but the reason you're quitting is because you hate your boss. Now, 
It's like, I'm trapped here. Hey, boss, I really just want to take this pay cut to do this worst job yeah. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that would give a, a lot of power to a, a boss. Yes. Like over future employment, which right now in software, it's, I mean, nobody checks references. Nobody even puts references on there. And if they're there, like even writing it down counts as a solid reference. Yeah, it's just weird. So, I mean, I never do this. I have never gone to my current employer to get a reference for us for a future employer that I'm interviewing with. Do you think you will now that this question has opened your eyes? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I mean, okay, why why is there a taboo in our industry on looking for other jobs, and yet literally everyone does this? Yeah, and I would say even more than some other industries too. I think tech is kind of famous for people just hopping jobs every couple of years yeah but you can't talk about it you must pretend like it's not happening right you you must take weirdly timed sick days yeah weird trips to the fax machine we've talked about that in the past <laughs> that's a good story <laughs> yeah one sign is if somebody starts taking two days of pto every couple weeks right right <laughs> And it's like, you know, when you go to your boss and you're like, well, I'm turning in my resignation. This is my two weeks notice. I'm going to a new job. And they're like, oh, I thought so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you did have lots of conveniently timed faxes. Yes. It's just weird, though. I don't know why we have this kind of like, how dare you betray our mission and go to the enemy team that we're playing against in football. I honestly think it's, it's because some places really suck to work at <laughs> and okay. their only draw to keep people from working somewhere else is that it's painful to get a new job i see so like if there's this stigma around looking for a new job then you might stay longer at this place that isn't making you happy i have seen some companies claim that they don't mind if people look around because it it like helps them be the best you know it helps make sure that they're that they're valuing their people well which feels like kind of a kind of a power move to do right but I think most places would not prefer that that happens. It sounds like that would just cost a lot of places money. Yeah, I think so. If you have that Netflix money, though, then maybe you can afford to do that. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I have this mental model that if you go looking for other jobs and your company finds out that it will reflect poorly on you. Yeah, how dare you? Yeah, and yet literally everyone at your company has done exactly this. In fact, they probably joined your company under the cover of night from their previous company. <laughs> <laughs> they like repelled out of a helicopter. Exactly. <laughs> Landed in the company compound having escaped. Right. Here's my resume. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, how do you think everyone who got the job that they currently have, how do you think your manager got their job? And yet we still have to pretend for some reason like this is so taboo. But, you know, I don't know. As a manager, I do take it personally a little bit when people are out looking for a job. It tells me, oh, they don't like it here or they think there's something yeah. better, which, which means I'm not doing a good job. And so I, I get that. Yeah. I, I do get that. So the real question was, would you use your manager as a reference? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually think it's great for our industry that we don't require your current boss's permission <laughs> to get a new job. I think it really helps companies stay on their toes, be competitive, and create better environments for people to work in. And I think it's great for the employee too because you're free to explore the market and see if there are better options out there. 
we've talked about this before, but it, it, it is rough for people in their first job where if they want really strong references who can speak about their technical accomplishments, then they got to like, I don't know, you have to, you have to somehow trick your boss into filling out a form that is actually a reference, but they think is like submitting you for a company <laughs> award or something like that. <laughs> Hey, it's time for our annual would be a really good Fang employee award. Can you please <laughs> fill this out? You have to trick one of your coworkers just, into nominating you for a company award and then just yeah. plagiarize some of the text with your manager's signature on it and say, here's my reference. Perfect. Nobody's going to check anyways, so it's fine. Yeah, you're good. Have you ever checked a reference ever for a technical hire? Yes, and I have been a reference for people who wanted to get a job. In fact, I got one last week. I've only checked informal references. Ooh, you got a new job last week? No, I, I was a reference check for someone else who oh. wanted to get a new job. Okay, I've been a reference. I've checked references, but only informally through, if I, if I find out that they know somebody that I know, then I will check the reference that they didn't give. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if I've ever like called up someone's references. So we, at a, at a previous company, we used a 360 degree reference check service that would ask the candidate to give a list of three or four names. And then they would contact them and have them fill out a form that answered a bunch of questions about the candidate. It was great. I'm confused by the geometry here. You said 360 degree, and I expected that you would have to like give references to sign up to the, <laughs> to the service. Like, Prove that you're worthy of participating in our <laughs> reference checking service. I always took 360 degrees to mean everything you do will come back to bite you. <laughs> but like I remember one time we were on the fence about this candidate. Very strong technical candidate, but we got a few glimpses of some behavioral issues that we felt would not be a good match at our company. And so we did the reference checks and we got back. We did not like probe the people for those issues. We just did the generic check and our suspicions were confirmed and people did write back and said, you know, here are some behavioral things I've seen with this candidate, which surprised me. I'm surprised that anyone would write negative stuff on a reference like this. Like what's in it for yeah. you? But they did. And we decided to pass on that candidate. They were just trying to cut ties with that person. I <laughs> this guess. was a convenient <laughs> shortcut. <laughs> I guess so. But in, but in every case I've ever done a reference check, it's always been either a previous, previous company, meaning not current, but the previous one. Yeah. Or a like coworker who has the confidence of the candidate in the current company. Yeah. But never their They're manager. Accomplice. Yes. Yeah. Who then sometimes joins us next. <laughs> As a kickback for being their reference. Yep. Get them a new job. So what what's your answer to the question? Would I use my current manager as a reference? Let's assume your current manager isn't actually quitting. <laughs> yeah, a current manager who is not actively <laughs> leaving the company. I don't think so. I'd be worried about like betraying trust or not even betraying trust. I'd be worried that they would say I don't get the job, right? I still work there. I assume my career will be different now that I ask my manager to give me a reference to get somewhere else than, than if I had kind of like kept up the facade of loyal employee who will work there till he dies. Right. <laughs> Which is weird, but yeah, I don't know. I'm weird too, so. Oh, good. Well, now, have we, have answered, we answered the question? The question? Oh, yes, we have, because we both asked at the same time. Okay, great. If you've been a software developer at the same job for a few years, it might be time to start looking around. Quit your job is our favorite advice, but first you should probably find a new job. <laughs> Trust me, it is better this way. <laughs> 
Check out a service called Vettery, which matches developers with employers based on what you want, like your location, salary requirements, and technologies you want to work with. I actually signed up myself, and within a week, they sent me an opportunity that looked really good. My current approach to job seeking is tweet dumb stuff and hope the company notices me. So this sounds like an improvement, I think. <laughs> yeah. Once you sign up, you get a consultant to help you find opportunities. I also like that Vettery lets you specify your salary requirements early rather than going through the whole interview process only to find out, wah, wah, your salary expectations were way off. That actually happened to me in an interview. Would have been nice to avoid that. You can start using Vettery without reversing a linked list on a whiteboard too. They don't have a coding test to sign up. If you are thinking about taking our advice, the soft skills engineering patented advice and quitting your job, check out Vettery. Go to Vettery.com slash soft skills to sign up. That's V-E-T-T-E-R-Y dot com slash soft skills. If you use that link, you will help support the show. And if you get a job through Vettery, they will send you $300. Thank you so much to Vettery for sponsoring the show. Do you want to read our next one? I surely do. This is from a listener named Aaron. Hey guys, should I stay at a job where I get paid to do nothing? I took a new job as a data scientist a few months ago, and since COVID-19 blew up, I have had absolutely nothing to do at my job. I'm supposed to be working remotely, but our team doesn't get a lot of business, and we're mostly keeping up a facade of being busy with internal projects, in air quotes, and training, in air quotes. (laughs) This was nice for the first few weeks, but at this point, I'm concerned about my career development. Also, the job is more business-oriented than I would expect, while I would rather focus on building things. I would like my next job to be a machine learning engineer or software developer role in some other domain. I'm worried that my hard engineering skills are deteriorating with every passing week. All of this is made more difficult by the disturbed job market at the moment and the fact that if I stay at my role for another seven months, I will receive a sizable retention payment. What should I do? Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Why, thank you, Aaron. (laughs) You should stay for seven months and then quit. Question answered. (laughs) Oh. Hang on. Stay for seven months, work on projects that are vaguely work-related that will enhance your skills in a direction you want, and then quit. Now question answered. Okay. (laughs) Well, that was easy. (laughs) Yeah, this one's easy. I don't know. That's what I would do. I mean, assuming there really is nothing to do. Assuming, I feel like if there is literally nothing to do, then it doesn't really feel unethical to just kind of like do things that seem vaguely valuable for the company and also valuable for you. I don't think you're ethically bound to fall on your sword and quit and say, there is no work for me. I shan't take another cent under this false pretense. And then you just leave. So just this week, I watched that old episode of The Office where the office salespeople go down into the warehouse and they're like working a day in the warehouse and they're like loading boxes on a truck. And Dwight says, hey, we could be a lot more efficient if we did it a little differently. And Stanley says, <laughs> and Stanley stops in mid, mid-sentence and says, we are in a run-the-clock-down situation here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm a Stanley. I'm saying run that clock out. But is that the same episode where they rig up the, like, grease-based system of, like, sliding boxes on the ground and, like, ruins all the paper and stuff? <laughs> no, that wasn't this one. Because in one of them, they try and load boxes. They make like a bowling alley looking thing with with guardrails along (laughs) the side. And then they just lay down a bunch of grease in the middle. They slide them across the floor all the way over to the truck. Nice. Which I imagine ruins paper. (laughs) So I thought you were going to say that it's kind of like idle hands are the devil's playground. Is that how that saying goes? (laughs) Yeah. Like 
it's dangerous to give an engineer a bunch of free time and say, do some internal projects to help the company because <laughs> soon you'll have like fully automated HR running on Kubernetes <laughs> somehow. <that> like <laughs> you, you have a Docker container for every employee. But, but remember, this is a data scientist. So I think what you're going to oh, have is stochastic paychecks with probabilistic amounts. <laughs> you stream everyone's payments like like paychecks to them through Spark somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got it. Hadoop's got to be in there. Yep. I don't know. That's what I would do. It feels pretty straightforward to me. <laughs> I'd, I'd take the money. Well, if, if money is all you care about, Jameson, why not do what that intern did in episode 217 and just get another job while you're still running the clock down on your current job? Oh, yeah, perfect. Okay. That does feel bad. <laughs> you can't do valuable work for someone else. You can just not do valuable work for the people paying for you. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The The business-oriented thing honestly feels like a bigger concern than the lack of work currently thing. So you think this might be the wrong job for this person, even if they were doing things yeah i think so i don't know it doesn't sound like the kind of job they want it sounds like they would quit if they didn't have a retention payment coming up mm -hmm. and if they felt like they could get another job good news you have a lot of time to look for another job right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> the like the disturbed market shouldn't be an issue i mean you can you can be slow because you are gainfully employed but look for another job and you have plenty but of time I guess it depends on how much that money is worth to you you got all day long to brush up on your interview skills. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what the data science equivalent of cracking the coding interview is, but I'm sure there's one out there. Yeah, I think all data science interviews are just like, they give you a picture of a bird and say, make a program that can tell me this is a bird. <laughs> I think it's just like full-time Kaggle competitions. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you could do is you could just work on your Kaggle ranking for the next seven months. I've signed up for that website and I got their emails for years and never did a single thing. It just like made me feel smart to be vaguely affiliated with it. It's a, we should probably explain what it is. I think it's like a data science, like machine learning competition site. It's kind of like hacker rank, but for data problems, right? Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's, <laughs> that's what I would do. What would you do, Dave? Seven months is a long time to do nothing. I, I don't true. know. It might take you six months to recover from that mess. But good news is if they pay you enough money, then you can just not work for those six months. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just compound your problem of skills deteriorating? Yeah, this is a really interesting experiment to try and arrive at the time value or, or, or what, what dollar amount you place on on like being satisfied at work because presumably there's a number out there at which it would be worth it to you to do a boring job. Yeah. And if this number is high enough, then you can stay and do your boring job. And if not, it's not. Let's say that number is equal to one retention payment. <laughs> Good news. Yeah, I feel like you need to sneak into like an undergrad economics study. Because they do all <laughs> these experiments to try and figure out how much people value different things by giving them small amounts of money. Yeah. So you had to stay for two more seconds at your job. And I give you these two nickels. Would that be worth it? <laughs> and then they just extrapolate for seven months. <laughs> Until you finally break. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, I mean, I've I've had a, a job when I was in college that was basically run-the-clock-out situation. It was over a summer. It was completely undemanding. But, you know, I was there to 
save money for college. And I found myself using the time to get educated on things. I, I learned a lot about sorting algorithms that summer. <laughs> like real life computer sorting algorithms? Yeah, no, really, yeah. You just read up on other stuff? Yeah, I read up. I, uh, it was fun. I, you know, the, com- the company gave me a computer with Microsoft Excel, which has Visual Basic for applications in it. And I did a lot of reading and implementing of sorting algorithms. <laughs> I don't know. Their fatal mistake. They should have locked down Visual Basic yes. so you couldn't learn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it, it sounds clear to me in this case that the company knows that they don't have your full inten- attention and that they are using this retention bonus because they think that it's more important for them to keep the talent on hand than to have to rehire a bunch of folks in seven months. So they've set up this retention to keep you around. That's one thing I would think. So th- that kind of alleviates the ethical question for me because, I mean, if if it yeah. was like, well, they expect me to do things, but I've found a way to meet their expectations in 10 hours a week, that's a kind of a, a different story. I wouldn't go down that path. But now it's up yeah. to you to like find ways to to fill your time such that you feel productive and learning. And the way that you could ethically justify this is to say, I'm going to study things that would make me better at this job. And even if those skills don't get applied, I know that they have the potential to do so. Just convince yourself that you have all the business side down. Like you don't need to study that stuff. You're a pro at the business (laughs) stuff that you don't like. What you really need to shore up is all the technical stuff that you do like, even if that's 10% of your job. (laughs) yeah (laughs) well you know the Pareto principle probably says that's the most important stuff anyway exactly yeah you need like an AI research project so I think you need to figure out how to develop an avatar that can attend meetings in your place (laughs) and then just like summarize them for you you can skip some business stuff so I would probably split my time three ways at this company way number one is I'd probably spend about 10 to 20 percent of my time each week trying to find interesting and valuable things to do that the company actually wants for myself and my team. I would just go after that and see what I could find. There's probably problems around every corner that need to be solved and would benefit from your expertise. Number two, I would do interview practicing and take real interviews as well. Because if something really great comes along and you tell them that you have a seven-month retention payment coming, they just might give you a bonus anyway to match it, which would be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, they might buy you out. That's a good point. Exactly. And then number three is I would just study the things that I want to get more skilled at anyway and do pet projects while I'm at work. Aaron does say that they might be, it's between machine learning engineer and software developer in some other domain. Machine learning, it might be trickier to find kind of small in scope projects that you can just crank out to help the company. But if you're just interested in general software development, there's, there's an endless array of software for it. The inside of a company. There's a word for that. (laughs) Internal software. (laughs) Software for the guts of the company. Okay, company guts. Got it. Company guts. Yeah, make those guts work better. But there's there are problems everywhere that you can solve by writing little programs to help people that Mm -hmm. that might be kind of fun to poke at and you just get to write them all in Rust now because that's the thing you're interested in. <laughs> Maybe this is the best time ever for a rewrite of some company software that already exists. Ah, yeah. That's a good point. The cost is is much different now that there's no opportunity cost. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, that's, boy, that's a really great way to put it. What would you do if there's no opportunity cost? That's awesome. Try to go pro at Halo. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Well, I feel pretty good about those answers. How do you feel, Dave? I feel great. All right. Aaron told us that they feel great too. So the question <laughs> is answered. <laughs> good. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> we got a back channel. What should people do if they want their own questions answered, Dave? Sure. Go to softskills.audio and click ask a question. You can fill out our form there. Thank you so much to everyone who's done that. We really appreciate it. You keep the show going. If you want to support the show, go to that same website, click support us on Patreon and join our Slack community and be sure to share the show. You can follow us on Twitter at softskillseng where we tweet occasionally and share the show with your friends. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thank you.